0: This week's episode is brought to you by the Film Rescue Show. The Film Rescue Show is a long-form podcast in which their crew and a guest fix a film every week. Want a good first episode? Check out episode 89 with Axel and myself, where we pitched fixes for the League of Extraordinary Drummen. Still waiting on that call, Warner Brothers. For fans of filmmaking, writing, and behind-the-scenes content, check out the Film Rescue Show on all your favorite podcasting sites today. <laughs> Welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy, in this, The Darkest Timeline. I'm Lord Cameron Oryk, and with me as always is...
1: His shield brother, Axel Wright, who's very tired.
0: Yeah, unfortunately Waxel just wasn't feeling it tonight, so he couldn't step in to cover for you.
1: Yeah, I totally didn't poison him or anything.
0: You can't poison Waxel, man. It's it's, it's not gonna happen. You
1: think that.
0: (laughs) He outlived all five of his brothers. What makes you think you're gonna take him down?
1: Because I know how he thinks.
0: Well, he knows how you think, so this just goes in circles.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Anyways, for those of you wondering what the fuck Waxel is, you should be in our Discord. It'll all make sense.
1: Yeah. Point is, I'm plotting death of a, of a, of a clone hybrid, so let's move on. So.
0: Yes, let's move on to our wonderful, wonderful patrons, the people that give us money to fund our shenanigans. They are Pam Galley, Mar Chris Shipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vabe, Brendan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Donald Lucy, Patrick Anderson, Carson Mel, Scott Rubin, Pete, Derek Takate, and Peter Cook. If you'd like to join that illustrious legion, head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks, 25 cents an episode is a small bit to pay for all the extra content you get.
1: That's the most I've heard you stumble that in quite a while.
0: Yeah, no, you can, uh, find I'm fucking tired, folks.
1: Yeah. Well, anyway, I happen to know what we're talking about right now, and funny thing, I've been on a bit of a Spider-Man kick, Ulrich's been thinking about Spider-Man, I don't know why, but bring because us in. our a...
0: fifth anniversary episode, and I've been editing that, so it made me think a lot, we talked a lot about Spider-Man in that, it made Fair. me think about Spider-Man a lot.
1: I will use any opportunity to talk about Spider-Man, because Spider-Man is very important to me, so, <laughs> but we're not talking about Spider-Man specifically. Today, right? What are we talking about, Orric?
0: We're talking about the movie portrayal of Venom. And kind of... I, I don't mean this as a pun. The sticky situation that it creates.
1: So real quick. We're going to have another conversation at some point with guests about how important source material actually is. Heads up. It's not that important unless your adaptation sucks. Then it kind of becomes important. But that's a whole nother conversation. So... But I bring it up as a, a quick segue because Venom in the comics, and I'm and I don't read a lot of comics. I don't really like comics. I did read Spider Man. I read a lot of Spider Man. I don't remember most of it because I was young when I was actually reading it. But you know, some stuff sticks out. And since I was a kid of the '90s, I was reading it when Venom was kind of becoming a big deal. It, I mean, he's been a big deal a long, long time. But for anyone who doesn't know.
0: 90s like i think he's 94 95
1: i think his uh, original appearance was earlier than that so yeah you go google it but for anyone who doesn't know because you live under a rock or something so spider-man character marvel character bitten by spider superhero whatever well back in i want to say the 80s there was a storyline i think it was secret wars or is it secret war i know the plural they're different okay
0: so he first appears like the symbiote is in Amazing Spider-Man number 300 in May 1988
1: in Secret Wars. Yeah, Secret Wars. So basically, in in Secret Wars, Peter's suit gets wrecked. His regular suit. His Spider-Man suit gets wrecked. And so, as part of a reward for the events of Secret Wars, he gets uh, a new suit made for him that's this little orb, this black orb, and the orb is basically a living, organic suit. Now, when Peter first gets it, and I'm pretty sure that at the time when they wrote this, they had no intention of what they were doing with it other than, like, hey, he'll have a cool futuristic suit that's black because everything's black now. This is where we're at the late 80s, early 90s. But then they – as the stories went on – because there was a long time where Peter was in the black suit, this black and white suit, and then nothing really well, changed.
0: Secret Wars was just a big excuse to sell action figures. That That is – all of, this is the only reason Secret Wars existed is they wanted to pump out a bunch of action
1: things. Yeah, but I'm saying beyond that, Peter stayed in the black suit for quite a while, but eventually you find out that the suit is symbiote it's an alien being that enhances your abilities but also enhances your negative emotions cause Peter to become an a-hole he has this whole great comic where he, he figures out that it's weak to sound so he uses a bell at the top of a church to get it off of him, then it falls on this guy Eddie Brock, who's an asshole, a whole long story about him, he... And then the combination of the symbiote hating Peter for abandoning him and Eddie Brock hating Peter slash Spider-Man for other reasons that I'm not going to go into right now, he becomes the character Venom. And for most of Venom's original incarnation, his entire motivation was hate Spider-Man, make Spider-Man miserable, but not actually kill him. Because there's actually kind of an implied undercurrent that the symbiote actually wants Peter back, which is why the Spectacular Spider-Man does it really well. But anyway... So Venom, because he's basically Monster Black Spider-Man, became kind of popular in the 90s, grim kind of era of comics. It was a
0: cool design, and Seth MacFarlane wrote for him, and we all loved MacFarlane in the 90s.
1: Yeah, and then Venom actually became kind of a joke for a long time, because he actually spent a, lo- a good chunk of time being with Mark Gargan, who's the this- the Spider-Man villain, The Scorpion, and not with Eddie Brock, because Eddie Brock became anti-Venom, and following the symbiote stuff in the comics is fucking nonsense. I'm not going any further. Oh, yeah, fuck so, it. I love Toxin, for the record.
0: It's a point transitions into an anti-hero, and...
1: Yeah, like, there are stuff about symbiote storylines in the comics that I like quite a lot. Carnage has got some good stories. Toxin is a great character, but it it gets really hard to follow, especially once you have fucking Kroll uh, show up. But anyway... Um, point is, there's this guy at Sony named Avi Arad who is really into Venom, and he really wanted Venom in Spider-Man 3. Sam Raimi didn't want Venom in Spider-Man 3, and I just re rewatch Spider-Man 3 like two days ago. So we have our first live-action adaptation of Venom in Spider-Man 3, and I'm gonna put my foot down and say that if you just look at the movie... He actually functions very well in the movie. Topher Grace's particular portrayal of Eddie Brock works for that movie, but it was completely not what the original Eddie Brock was at all. Like, they changed it so much that it's not really the same character at all.
0: Yeah, and then we've got the Tom Hardy one, which is popular, but I don't think anyone thinks is actually good.
1: Well, the Tom Hardy one is basically trying to adapt... The Eddie Brock as anti-hero storyline while also putting in little bits of, like, Agent Venom, there's a whole storyline where Venom mixes with Flash Thompson, Peter Parker's bully. I
0: hear good things about. I like the concept of Agent Venom.
1: It has aspects that are quite good. I, I've read a few Agent Venom comics. They're pretty good. So I oh, you know
0: the overall outline. I haven't got around to reading it, but that one actually piqued my interest. Like, oh, something Venom that's interesting.
1: Cool. Yeah, the, the problem for me Agent Venom kind of falls apart when the actual Venom symbiote, inevitably gets loose as it is so but anyway so point is venom as a character arose from a purely spider-man centric place which is why his design is the way he is and then kind of became his own thing out of popularity the venom movies then with tom hardy don't even have spider-man in them and so they have to kind of justify venom behaving the way he does without spider-man which means we don't get venom actually shooting webs like he's supposed to He just acts more like Black Goo Hulk, (laughs) so...
0: Yeah... Now, Venom is a cool design, a cool-looking character.
1: He can be. He can also be a way over-designed mess of a character design.
0: Yeah, McFarlane, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, basically, (laughs) when when Venom is done, quote-unquote, correctly, and I'm not trying to be gatekeeping, and there are different opinions, but I'm saying that when I think Venom looks at his best, it's when his body looks smooth and his face is the horror show like when he starts getting all tons of tendrils and and whatnot he becomes a real mess to look at and it just becomes hard to watch which is what happened at the end of venom one so
0: i don't know if it's intentional or not but i have always read venom as a metaphor for steroids
1: that is definitely what he is in Sam Raimi Spider-Man 3. The black suit is straight up a metaphor for steroids. Well, just but, like the
0: fact that it latches on to Eddie Brock, who... I mean, he's a comic book character, so he's built like a brick shit house. Yeah. But that one always kind of struck me as... Okay, this definitely feels like a metaphor for steroids. He globs onto the big, you know, bulky buff dude. Okay.
1: The symbiote actually functions pretty well as a metaphor for a lot of things. When you get right down to it, it's a very flexible creation. But the problem for me, as a Spider Man fan, with Venom in adaptation is that Venom has always been at his most interesting indirect relation to Spider-Man. Now, I'm not saying no. Venom can't function on his own. Again, Agent Venom are really good stories. But even Agent Venom still is couched in Spider-Man. Flash Thompson idolized Spider-Man and he became a soldier because of Spider-Man, lost his legs as a soldier and then took the opportunity that Agent Venom project gave him because of his idolation of Spider-Man. And so, that he, and then, of course, the symbiote still hates slash loves Peter Parker, so it morphs and is is toxic to that relationship that flash has in his mind and so like these things all played a big part of it so as much as i actually enjoy tom hardy being venom the lack of spider-man is just very loud
0: (laughs) yeah and that's kind of like the big problem with adapting venom is he's really most interesting as an antagonist for spider-man
1: yeah, even when he's a anti-hero, a lot of his best anti-hero stuff is working with Spider-Man against something else begrudgingly. Like like in the Spider-Man game from 90, I think 1990 on PlayStation 1, there's a whole bit where, okay, Carnage shows up, so Venom's like, okay, me and you are going to work together because Carnage is a bigger deal. So, and he's hilarious. Yeah. So
0: and I don't know, I have I have issues with the concept of anti-heroes, but that's a whole other episode we'll do. Yeah, well, honestly, I
1: the idea of the lethal protector is kind of dumb to me when it comes yeah, to that's Venom. that's
0: pure McFarlane, though, and yeah, that's why it's dumb.
1: And there are anti-hero characters I really like. We've talked a lot about how the Punisher is a really difficult character, but I think he's a good example, when done right, of an anti-hero character. Venom feels... When he's done that way, and I don't want to insult anyone, but it feels immature. Like, Venom feels like an inherently immature character a lot of the time.
0: 100%. And again, that goes back to the roots of McFarlane and that one. So and he maybe... doesn't
1: feel immature when his storyline is about his obsession with Spider-Man and how like in Spectacular Spider-Man there's a great bit where where Peter manages to get the symbiote off of him and then he says to Eddie something like you have to give up the hate the hate's consuming you and he says but all we have is the hate. And so there's like this the psychology there of what obsession and hatred does that it just isn't there when you have Venom on his own.
0: <laughs> yeah. So there's the first big problem. You can't really have Venom on his own. Like uh, Maybe you
1: can, but it hasn't happened yet, and it's it's very difficult to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the other big thing is, in order to get to Venom, you need so much Spider-Man setup.
1: Yeah. Honestly, if I were wanting to establish Venom, and we've talked about this, I think, similarly with Doctor Doom, you should have the black suit basically be in a movie or a season or whatever, and no venom. You just you end the movie or season with him with Spider-Man ditching the black suit, and then in the next movie and/or season you do Venom. I mean, one of the reasons why Spider-Man Three is messy, despite the fact that I will now defend it, is trying to combine or put shove Venom in the last ten minutes. So
0: yeah, well the, and that's I mean that kind of the big central thing I've been thinking about is like I know they want to do Venom in the MCU
1: because he's super popular. Like. He's yes. well-liked in the people. They,
0: who...
1: anyway.
0: they even snipped off a bit of the symbiote but when they kicked it back to, you know, Sony. Like, okay, you're going back to Sony, but we are going to keep a little bit of the symbiote here because we obviously want to do Venom our way.
1: Yeah, and, and I said it the way I said it because – in my mind, I've said this many times on recording, Spider-Man should be a TV show, not a movie. Yes. The way Spider-Man exists, like, and I love Spider-Man movies, several of them, but he lends himself so well to a TV show format more than a movie format. So, yeah,
0: no, that was what I was building up to. Is like, I don't think you do Venom in a movie. Venom needs to be part of a ongoing Spider-Man series.
1: Yeah, like my my dream right now would be because I'm really happy with where No Way Home ended and it ends in a perfect place to now have a Disney Plus show of Spider-Man and, you know, that season could literally be, like, the way I would do it is I would literally end with him getting the black suit and then season two would be him dealing with the black suit and then you wouldn't even bring Venom in until season three.
0: Yeah, and I mean we've got Secret Wars in the deck. I don't think it, I don't think it's gonna be what we, what it's gonna not gonna be the comic.
1: No, they're gonna do what they do with Age of Ultron. Use the comic's name, but basically tell a completely unrelated story.
0: Because I, I I recognize the importance of Secret Wars, both the first and the second one, and it's got a lot of cool moments. But I don't know. Marvel has no interest in repeating that because that doesn't serve them in any way. Yeah. But. And this is never going to happen because of the whole Sony of it all. But if we had an interim series that's just following Peter Parker in – where did he end up at the end of that movie? Is it still New York?
1: Yeah, he's in New York, but now he's living alone in New York. He just got his GED. He's in a shitty little apartment by himself, and no one that's knows right. who he is, which oh, is –
0: That's depressing. I forget how depressing that movie ends.
1: Yeah, but the point is that that is a perfect spot to end that movie in and that is the perfect setup
0: for more spider-man stories yes so you make that launch you do honestly give me uh, 24 episodes before the next movie and we go into the next movie and we do this weird and i i can't I'm saying this hybridized release schedule of you have a movie and then you cut to a series to flesh your characters out in your world and then you build into the next series yeah. and movie series movie series movie series which is what they should be doing with the Disney Plus shows, but they're still getting that one figured
1: well, out. Well, honestly, if we want to put patience aside for a sec, they're still dealing with the aftermath of how COVID fucked everything up with their schedule. Oh, fuck so, yeah. But But I would say one thing I think personally they should do is, like the comics, let Peter be in the black suit for a while. Like, not just one story. Like, let him maybe get the black suit in a Disney Plus show, even have it in the movie and not have it like be a big deal. This is just the suit he has for a while until the audience, especially the non-comic reading audience is just comfortable with him being in that suit. And then you start doing the like okay, it's really fucking with them. Like you drop hints of it beforehand, but you don't make a story of it until you're ready to pull the trigger on on the, you know, the bell and all that. So,
0: yeah. No, Venom. It, I know they're going to do it. Venom is just a tricky one, but you, and it's tricky because there's so many moving pieces that you have to put in place for him to actually work and for anyone to give a shit about.
1: Well, I think otherwise
0: the... you just it's just oh it's it's a black and white Spider-Man. Cool. I, I think don't
1: think we're actually going to get him. I think that uh, Sony is. Gonna, is really holding on to Tom Hardy's solo Venom and that they like teasing at it, but I don't think Feige, based on what we've seen him do, is likely to actually let Holland and Spider-Man interact with even an MCU version of Venom. It seems unlikely to me at this point.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, they put it there so they had the option to.
1: Yeah, they have the option. But I don't think they're going to pull the trigger. I think they're far no. more likely to do Craven and Scorpion next and they're just not well, going to have time Scorpion's for it.
0: Scorpion's kind of in the MCU.
1: Yeah, well, we know he is. Just hasn't, he just hasn't been Scorpion. not been I'm
0: saying. is... I want Craven. I, I really... I'm still mad that we could have gotten Craven and we didn't, but...
1: Yeah, I'm just saying that based on Feige's past track, those seem more likely to me. So,
0: Well, I'm going to be upset, just as a passing Spider-Man fan, if we got Venom before we got Green Goblin.
1: Oh, I mean... But we we've gotten Green Goblin technically. No,
0: we've got another version of Green Goblin. This isn't the MCU's Green Goblin.
1: Yeah, but that's why I think okay, I'm gonna
0: <laughs> you and I disagree on this, and we both love Willem Dafoe. Not gonna set that one aside. Great fucking. To job. me, Willem
1: Dafoe is so perfect as Green Goblin that just don't don't do it again. I don't need to see MCU's version of Green Goblin. If you do do it again, not Norman Osborn do what Amazing Spider-Man 2 was trying to do, but good this time, and we go right into Harry Osborn so that we don't step on, you know, we already had Norman show up in the MCU so we can have a Green Goblin character. I actually, I'd skip right over and go right to Hobgoblin at this point.
0: I'm conflicted. I Because you and I also have different interpretations of Norman. Because my Norman is the Bendis Avengers run where he was almost Red Skull.
1: Yeah, and from my from my understanding your version of Norman is closer to even something like Lex Luthor, where yeah. whereas I am more of a Spider Man purist when it comes to Norman Osborn and his role within Spider Man stories, not within things like Thunderbolts. So
0: Yeah, so no, there's that. I don't know. I just I, I still want Tom Holland to have his own Rogues Gallery, not borrowed from other people. Uh,
1: I I understand that. That's, but honestly, that's why that Scorpion should be next. Honestly, it would be neat if, uh, if to combine these two ideas, they left a little bit of the Black Symbiote behind. Venom spent more time on Mark Gargan than he actually did on Eddie Brock when it comes to real world time. So doing Scorpion and then going right into Scorpion Venom would literally be like a, a nice little, like, nod to what, how that actually went in the comics, so... It would be different. Yeah,
0: I've, never, I've never read that, so I don't know how that goes. But it would be interesting. It'd be, I think it would be a better twist than Spider-Man is fighting another guy using Stark tech.
1: Yeah. Well, honestly, now that he's living alone in an apartment, that's just no more Stark tech. And, and I'm and i not one of those people who actually was really pissed off about Tony Stark being such a big part of Homecoming and Far From Home. That doesn't bother me. It makes sense with the kind of universe they were constructing. But at this point, yeah, we're done. Peter can be that's, his own thing. No more Stark stuff.
0: I don't I don't mind that so much as it's just like, listen, Peter Parker is perfectly capable of having his own enemies that don't have technology ripped off from Tony Stark. I mean, that's the other problem we kind of talked about. The Marvel Universe is not as big as we'd like it to be. Uh, everyone's technology has to come through Stark. Where the fuck is AIM? Come on.
1: Well, plus it's a kind of a big thing with Peter Parker specifically that most of his villains are... Are intelligent people who basically invent their own powers doc ock and vulture and mysterio are three great examples of villains that were literally just scientist dudes or something related who then become supervillains. because a lot of what's going on with peter parker the character is the the responsibility of intelligence i mean actually doc ock talked about it in spider-man 2 It's really
0: great so but yeah, yeah know, we're getting off in the weeds. The final conclusion is Venom is tricky because Venom only works in a very narrow spectrum and quickly goes off the rails with prolonged exposure.
1: Yeah, like, if I'm thinking about ways I would actually use Venom in the MCU, I'd either do it with Mark Gargan, which could be an interesting, like, circumvention of expectations, or go right to an Agent Venom storyline, but there's no way it would work with... MCU's version of Flash Thompson, so we'd have to choose probably someone else, but that's a whole nother conversation entirely.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't mind Agent Venom, but that's the problem with Venom is so much of his stuff is tied to setting things up to have him work through Spider Man and it might yeah. just be better like, no, listen. Oh, by that the way, for any fun. Spider-Man
1: fans, I fucked up the name really, not Cruel, Null. No. I was just thinking of the K and the N, it fucked in my, my head, Null. No. I actually thought that they were going to do hints at Null with Thor Love and Thunder, because for anyone who doesn't know, Gore the God Butcher's sword is directly connected to the being from which all symbiotes come from in Marvel comics, but they didn't really hint at any of that at all, so, eh.
0: yeah. Yeah, no. see, that's what I mean. Venom is cool for about five issues, and then then he just becomes dumb. Well, what I like
1: about him, Venom is at his best when he functions almost like the Joker in that his motivations in Spider-Man stories are, I don't want to rule anything, I don't want money, I just want Spider-Man to be miserable. So it creates very personal, deeply, like, petty storylines, and those are very fun to read, so...
0: Yeah, no, that's that's kind of, I think, the problem of, is Venom only works if you set him up properly, and no one wants to spend the time to set him up properly for him to be in one movie and then get quietly shuffled off, because it's like, okay, thanks, bye. Yeah, because Tom
1: Hardy's version is fun, and I liked Woody Harrelson's version of Carnage. They're fun, but they don't feel like the, okay, actually, Woody Harrelson's Carnage basically feels like Carnage, but Tom Hardy's Venom, while a fun character, doesn't feel like Venom to me, really. It's,
0: it's a cardboard cutout.
1: Yeah, like I enjoy watching him, but it doesn't get the same. Yep.
0: If if you if you look at him straight on, looks like it's full character. But if you look to the left or the right, you see there's nothing back there.
1: Yeah, I don't know about to go that far, but essentially.
0: Oh, I would. I don't know. This is. Like I said I've been thinking a lot about Venom because we've been on a Spider-Man kick. It's like I would love to see Venom, and then I thought about like they're never going to do it right. Let's just leave that one be. Yeah. Because Venom. Just... Venom has no depth. And let's just get Craven instead. Craven is, yes, yeah. Craven
1: hasn't had live action. Craven is one of the coolest Spider-Man villains. Just, just give us Craven. So... And, not
0: that I, and I really hope that the Sony project dies because because they're oh. generally
1: bad at what they do. Sony well, is it's, just. He's
0: not, it's not even Craven anymore. It's like Craven's son, and he doesn't hunt the animals. He protects the animals. And
1: I don't understand Sony in general. I just recently saw an interview with Dennis Leary talking about when they were talking about Amazing Spider-Man three before the. like the merger happened, they were talking about giving Spider-Man some sort of technology that allows him to recreate people in his life that died so that would bring Captain Stacy back. And I hear that, and I'm like, who, who is in charge at Sony? Who comes up with this nonsense? Anyway. (laughs)
0: See, that makes me think the rumored Black Cat script that kind of got out recently might have more credence than I wanted to give it to. I don't
1: know. Black Cat is a real tricky... Character.
0: Well, you're, I don't know if you saw what was reportedly in I did that not. initial draft. Apparently in her initial origin story, they were going to have sexual assault, be a large part of her character. <sighs> no, 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 no. And everyone saw it, I'm like I wanted to believe that was fake. I'm like, no one is that stupid. I yeah. know Sony's doing lots of dumb shit, but Sony cannot be that stupid.
1: Like there are when some
0: shit like that, I go, they are that stupid.
1: Black Cat's literally also supposed to be a big femme fatale character. You can't have a character who's a lot of their personalities built around the idea of flirtation and sexual stuff suddenly have... Th- I mean, you can, but it's super, super hard to do without being really gross, and I don't...
0: Okay. It doesn't need to be. Like, I saw people going, well, it happened in the comic. Like, lots of dumb shit happens in the comics. yeah. That doesn't mean we need to do it again. We did it. We saw it was dumb. We go, oh, fuck. Let's never speak of this again. Exactly.
1: One of the benefits of the comics is that we can just take the stuff that worked, not the stuff that didn't work. So,
0: I mean, going back to Spider-Man, lots of dumb decisions. Thousands of dumb decisions that we never, ever speak of again.
1: Yeah. But especially with – okay, as a quick side note, I cannot buy yet – tom holland as the version of spider-man that deals with black cat like i've i've come around to liking tom holland a lot but black cat specifically needs to deal with a version of spider-man that for a lack of a better term can believably get some a lot
0: <laughs> yeah that was my other thought is like i can't see tom holland doing the black suit i can't see tom holland being an asshole
1: oh i can after no way home but that's besides the point <laughs>
0: Anyways, we've rambled on long enough. In I'll ramble about
1: Spider-Man years, forever. So
0: <laughs> I, there's definitely some more Spider-Man episodes in the can. We'll get to eventually. But anyways, if you've enjoyed our rambling and you'd like to share our ramblings with a friend, go ahead and share this because that is the lifeblood of podcasts.
1: Yeah, and we're currently on a lot of the various sites. I know we're on Spotify, and you can rate us there. We're also on a place called The firesidealliance.com with a bunch of other cool creators that I wish we interacted with more than we currently do, but I'm still going to support them because they're cool people.
0: As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich.
1: And his shield brother, Axel Wright.
0: Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.